Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be you know, you're supposed to consult with the Lord before you do things. Look how long it had been since they asked God, God, you know, we got this situation here. What should we do? They haven't asked God what he thought about anything. And this just goes to show how long it had been. The knowledge of God's law, plus the act of asking God, how should we conduct ourselves, Lord? This had become such a foreign concept to them by now that to now finally discover what sin actually is, it was so shocking that it really broke him. He was really genuinely sorry for the fact that they had always done everything their own way. And so now he wanted to ask the Lord finally, what should I do to make things right? How do I do things your way, Lord? That was where Josiah was at. Second Kings 22 and 14. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahakim, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tigva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Wow. Okay, God's angry. They sinned for decades, guys. This didn't just happen overnight. God is long-suffering and patient, but now it was time to get in there and fix things. So God's, God's upset. We, this has to stop. But first, who is this woman, Hulda? Okay. Back in the day, women were second rate. You got all people fighting about that right now over this gender stuff. You know, so when the, when the Bible hits that they spoke to a woman, whoa, what's going on? Why'd they talk to her? First off, who is she? She was married to Shalom. He was in charge of the wardrobe, it says. That could have been the priest's wardrobe, maybe even the king's royal clothing. But Holda had the gift of prophecy, but so did a lot of other men during that time, though. See, we in that time, we had Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Those were men that were prophets in that day. But the king's men were sent to see Holda. Now, the text does not give us the reason why they were sent to her. Uh, maybe she was closer, that they could get a word back quicker. I've heard some speculation out there that the reason why they went to see her instead of a man, is maybe they thought that coming from a woman, maybe her response would be less harsh than what a man would say. 
But I I just find that to be unreliable information. I, I don't think King Josiah would have been thinking like this. Hey, go see Holda because she'll probably talk nicer. <laughs> I don't think he was thinking like that. Of course, when you saw that when they asked her, she didn't soften the message down at all. She gave the same response that any man prophet would have given, that the Lord was going to bring calamity on Ju- on Judah. Now, I want you to understand there's not a contradiction with the biblical verses here because it is in the Bible. However argumentative it is, a lot of people don't want to hear this. The Bible does say that women are not to be pastors. Now, I want you to recognize Holda did not preach a sermon here. She was not acting as an elder of a church. She wasn't instructing men. She was merely speaking according to the word of the Lord what the Lord God said. Because she said, thus says the Lord God, okay, the Lord God of Israel. And she also spoke this in the presence of her husband, Shalom. Now, I just want to keep things clear here. I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody. I know this is politically incorrect stuff, and people get those big veins popping out of their foreheads when they hear this kind of talk. But I just want to keep things clear here, because I don't want somebody running off on a tangent with this passage trying to make it say something that it doesn't say. That's what people do these days. They try to take a verse like this. Oh, look, women can preach. She wasn't preaching. She had the gift of prophecy. So why did they inquire through Holda? And the more I looked into it, the more I asked myself this question. I asked, do we really have to concentrate on her so hard just for being a woman? (laughs) She had the gift of prophecy. God's word does not forbid a woman to have the gift of prophecy. So let's just leave it alone as to why they asked her, and remember that God can most certainly use women. He's done it many times in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Jesus appeared to a woman first before he appeared to anybody. After his crucifixion, he appeared to a woman. God uses women. So let's just leave it as it is and not try to pick it to death. But I just wanted to disarm it in a way that people don't run off and use it for something that it was never meant to be used. Okay. The message here was that God's wrathful judgment was still coming. Now, I want you to remember what the Lord told King Hezekiah back in 2 Kings 20, verse 17. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Okay, so Babylon's in position. They're the big power right now. They have the ability to come in and take it. And the Lord said it was coming. They had the power to come in and invade and take everything that was there. Okay, so here's another angle here, though. Just because Judah had suddenly become repentant, that did not mean that God was required to call off all the bad judgment that he had already said was coming. You know, some people treat the Lord God this way. Well, I'm going to sin all I want to, and later, when I feel like it, then I'll repent, and then God has to bless me. Excuse me, wait a minute. <laughs> you act like that, you're acu- you're accumulating wrath up for yourself because Judah's repentant, the king is repentant, the people under him are repentant, they're able to do work with integrity, they didn't have to account for the money they gave them to restore the temple, and a lot of people think, okay, God, now you got to take away that judgment because we're doing good now. That's not the case. She said judgment's coming anyway. Friend, I just want to take a minute here to warn you that if you have this attitude about God, I'm having too much fun right now, I'm partying, I'll repent later, excuse me, but you're going to make your later much worse than it has to be than if you repent and get your life right with the Lord right now. I'll get right with God later. 
you're bringing more trouble, it's probably a good idea for you to repent and get right today that when later gets here, you're going to be in a much better position than you would be. Go ahead and repent now. I'm just telling you what the book says, okay? Get right with the Lord God. Judgment's coming. Just you don't want to make it worse than it has to be. Judah had committed a lot of crimes. They had worshiped false gods, and it still had to be dealt dealt with. It's going to be done. God's going to deal with it. Take care of it. Now, just because Josiah was now realizing the error that they had been committing for many years, that didn't mean God had to shut off the tap. You know, judgment's still coming. For a long time at this point, Judah had forsaken God's appointed way that they could experience blessing. But they rejected that way that God had given them to demonstrate to other nations. It's like, hey, you're supposed to show everyone how wonderful, great it is to live under the Lord God's authority, but they wouldn't do it. They wanted to do things their own way. So they're getting things fixed up right now, but judgment was still coming. That's going to come anyway. However, (laughs) and there's always good news in the Bible, okay? Well, judgment's coming. You can't stop it. Oh, no, what do we do? However, look at this. 2 Kings 22 and 18, but as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Okay, friends, look, even though judgment was still coming, against Judah for all the bad stuff they'd done. It was going to come in the form of people being dragged off as slaves to Babylon. Josiah was never going to have to see this trouble in his lifetime, all because he had humbled himself down before the Lord God when he heard the law of Moses. When he found out how bad they'd been, how long they'd sinned, he tore his clothes. I am sorry, God. I'm so sorry. Not just for his own sin, though. Did you see that? He was sorry also for the sin of the fathers before him. He was so hurt by it. And so God promised him that this judgment that was coming regardless, but because he got low, that judgment would not come within his lifetime. Josiah's death was in 609 BC. That was just four years before Babylon attacked Jerusalem in 605 BC. It's like the Lord held off. The greatest power of that time, the Babylonian Empire, he held off the Babylon attack all because of his promise to Josiah. This kind of reminds me, if you look at the historical timeline, about the oldest man that ever lived. He was a faithful man. His name was Methuselah, and he lived for 969 years. I know a bunch of you don't believe that, but Methuselah, he lived 969 years. And he died within the same year before the great flood of Noah came upon the earth. It's like God was holding the whole flood away 
because of this man, and probably he made Methuselah an example of other righteous people that God said, look, I'm bringing calamity, but I'm not going to bring it in your days. I'm gonna, it's going to be after you're gone. Now, I love this chapter because it shows us that you can choose to follow the Lord at any time. Even at eight years old, you can have an inclination to follow the Lord God because Josiah's heart was for the Lord. In fact, Luke chapter 1, it says that John the Baptist leaped in the womb before he was born when he heard Mary's greeting. He was, he was being carried in Elizabeth. He leaped before he was born. Friends, that's a child rejoicing in the Lord before they're even born, okay? So again, don't ever try to pin age of accountability or maturity or intellect or intelligence. Don't ever put that on children as if to say they don't have the ability to understand the Lord just because they haven't reached what man determines proper maturity yet. And I can remember even when the disciples tried to get children to back away from Jesus as though their age made them unable to approach him. Jesus says, hey, let the children come to me. Don't don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So Methuselah, he lived for 969 years, and he died within the same year before the great flood of Noah came upon the earth. It's like God was holding it back (laughs) for this righteous guy. And it was all because of righteous people that understand the Lord's way, God's way, not our own. I think it's important for us to understand 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The most important thing is that Josiah had godly sorrow, and that was why he was repentant. And so the Lord God is going to save him. It's like, look, you had a tender heart. You got down low. You tore your clothes. You wept. You're actually sorry for your sin. So you know what? You're never going to see this calamity that I'm bringing. I'm going to get you in. You're going to be protected. You're going to live your full life first. Josiah was not only sorry about his own sin. He had also called for national repentance. He was so distraught about his nation's sin, and that's part of today's problem in our own culture today. Sin has become such a foreign concept to people, and what a blessing it is for people to do like Josiah did, to actually pick up God's Word. Think of this, guys, to actually look in the book and discover what sin actually is. Sin is devastating. It makes God mad. But today, people celebrate their sin like it's no big deal. But for the few who actually take the time to pick up God's word, like Josiah did, and they see what the Lord has to say about sin, then it will drive them to godly sorrow for ever having committed it. And this sorrow produces repentance. Friend, if you're not sorry for your sin, you cannot be repentant enough to be saved. So the reason why so many people are not repentant is because they're not sorry for their sins they've committed against the Lord. They don't care that God is mad about their sin. They just want their sin because they want it. Josiah, he was sorry about it. His sorrow was evident within his actions. And as he had rebuilt the temple, that was proof of his genuine devotion to God. Now, I find this to be a great trait about genuine believers is in how they will actually do the will of God. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, like we're going to trick Jesus by, we're going to call him Lord, okay. Not everybody that says Lord 
shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So Josiah's forefathers, they had set up altars to false gods. They did things their own way. But Josiah didn't do like they did. He did things God's way. So friend, if you're truly devoted to the Lord God, then your behavior will match the Lord's will. Those who refuse to walk like this in the Lord's will, I don't care how much they insist that they love the Lord God. I don't care how much they insist they're saved. If their behavior does not align up with what the Word of God says, then they prove that they actually reject the Lord. Them claiming to be saved means they're just deceived. Now, I know that a lot of people, they say, well, look, this is my life. I can do what I want to. But remember how the people of Judah had for a long time, they did what they wanted to. It's our life. We'll do what we want. If I want to put a false god up in the temple, I can do that. But I want you to remember They had rejected the way that the Lord God had given them to demonstrate to other nations how great it was to live under the Lord God's authority. Friends, you and I have been given a similar job. We're supposed to show people what it looks like, how blessed it is, how joyful it is to live under the Lord's authority. And we get to show them what blessing looks like, what forgiveness looks like, service, love, godly love, what it looks like. These are all things that the world wants, whether they think they're looking for it or not. They're looking for it, but they're looking for it in the wrong places. Too many people are looking for it in false gods like materialism, money, alcohol, drugs, uh, sex outside of marriage. They're looking for all these wonderful things, but they're not doing things God's way. I don't want you to end up like Judah here in this story to just wake up one day and discover how bad you'd failed the great opportunity to show other people what God's love and provision looks like. Now, that's why we're supposed to draw people to Jesus. We make him look attractive. We make him look fun because he is. People see that genuine faithfulness in us. It's kind of like the guys building the temple. You don't have to account for them because we know they're going to do it. They're reliable. People see that kind of integrity in you, and they're like, hey, that looks great. I want some of that. What is that? You can say, well, it's Jesus. Jesus, how how does Jesus make you like that? Now you get the chance to tell them the gospel. (laughs) Again, remember verse 7. They dealt faithfully with the workers in the temple. Friends, that's what it's like to be in the body of Christ. It's an amazing culture to live in. A lot of people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. It's a stupid little argument that they heard somebody else say, and they're just regurgitating it. Of course, you don't have to go to church to be saved. But if you are saved, you're going to want to be faithful and obedient to the Lord God who saved you and be in the body of Christ. It's an amazing place to be. It's a place where everybody wants to serve the Lord, where everyone's heart is truly in it. Just like those workers who didn't have to be accounted for, we know they're going to get the job done. They are reliable. Now, before I close this message up, I want to bring up how the Lord had said that judgment was coming. Even though Josiah was repentant, it was coming anyway. That did not stop the judgment from coming against Judah's sin. And friends, that's the same with all of us. I want you to know that your sin and mine, I'm not acting any better. I'm, I'm, a, I'm probably the biggest sinner you've heard from today, okay? Our sin provoked God's wrath. It really did. And there's a judgment that is coming against it because it made God angry and his law says you sin, you die. It's just, it's, it's punishment for what we did. 
And that judgment cannot be stopped because God said that it is coming. It's coming. You can't stop it. We're guilty. However, if we do like Josiah did and repent of what God's word says is sin, realizing with great sorrow how our sin has angered the Lord, then God will see our heart as tender. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, then we shall not see all the calamity that God said that he will bring on us. Okay, now as I said earlier, the Babylonians, they still did attack Jerusalem after Josiah's death, okay? Repentance did not stop judgment from coming. So, even though Josiah was saved, judgment still had to be executed for the sin that they had already committed, what Judah had committed in the past. I want us to consider how our sins have angered the Lord, and his law says that it must be judged, even if you've already repented of your sins. We can never forget that even though God has granted us salvation from judgment, like he did to Josiah, you're never going to see this calamity, even though he's given us the same. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ still had to take the penalty for us. Judgment still had to be executed, and God gave us a way out of that judgment by putting it on Jesus Christ instead of putting it on you. God gave Josiah a way to be saved, even though judgment still had to come. Romans 5 verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God, Through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. (laughs) Friends, if you can be reconciled to God while you're still hostile with him, imagine what he can do with you being a friend now that you have been in him. It's just so much better. (laughs) I want us to never forget that even though we believers are saved, that never stopped the judgment from coming. We got to remember the judgment that was still coming anyway. Jesus took it all, and he took it all for us. So, friends, let's now live in such a way that shows others how blessed it is to live under the Lord God. Let's keep our clothes torn before the Lord. Let's demonstrate we're sorry for our sin. And when people ask us how we are able to live in such peace, then we can say, I did it God's way. Father, forgive us of our sins. Lord, I ask anyone here listening to me today, they want to get right with you and give their life to you to be saved, that they pray this. I have sinned. Lord God, I am figuratively tearing my clothes. I'm in anguish. I am distressed over the sins I've committed against you. Lord, I did you wrong, and I'm sorry. Forgive me, and I accept your plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying in my place and taking the punishment that was due on me. I give you my life. I do things your way. Your way, Lord God. That's what making you Lord is. You are now Lord of my life. Take my life and use it however you please. I just want to be servant to you. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I want you to remember you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.